Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts. And this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode nine of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with Tracina and Lauren, founders of The Sales Concept. With a collective 25 years of experience, they teach designers how to grow their wholesale fashion business and maximize profits. During our conversation, Lauren and Tracina share the best way to merchandise and price your collection and why this is crucial to your success, how to find and reach out to buyers without sounding salesy, what to do when you finally get the meeting, and the best etiquette on following up with your prospects. Be mindful um, and show them the solution and not just list all the features and the benefits. It's about them. It's Unfortunately, it's not about us. Before we jump into the interview, I want to remind you, you can help the show out and make it easier for others to discover by leaving a rating on iTunes. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you take 60 seconds to do that. Visit sfdnetwork.com review to leave your rating and thanks for your support and help. To access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com nine. Now onto the interview with Lauren and Tracina. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tracina and Lauren, for joining us on the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Um, I'd love to start out, tell, tell everybody a little bit about what you guys do together with your business. Sure. Do you want me to take that, Tracina, or do you want to do it? <laughs> um, sure. Go right ahead. Okay. So we basically help fashion brands and uh, designers, entrepreneurs, Help, we help them to grow their wholesale business. So connecting with buyers, getting into boutiques, and everything between with when it comes to sales and merchandising. So helping them in all of those areas. Um, and we teach... And, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say in big box retailers. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. So, um, so a designer... Let's say where where in the process would they come to work with you guys? So after they already have all of their product um, designed, or I mean, they have to already have you know secured their factories and are starting the designing process at least. So they're not. Um, we don't do any of the like um, connecting with with factories and things like that or product development. Okay, cool. So if I'm a designer and I have my collection put together and let's say I have some line sheets set up and I have factories secured and I'm like ready to go into production and I'm like, okay, I need to start selling and securing some orders. That's where you guys would come in. Yeah. I mean, for, yeah, for the main part, but we can also help with, you know, the, the, um, the merchandising can become, um, can be a pre-development phase as well. Yeah. So talk so, a little, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, merchandising is, is both pre and during and after. Mm-hmm. So there's three different like phases within merchandising. Um, but the main thing is that they've already come up with their design. There's, you know, they're not totally starting from scratch. Um, but they have their designs together. They're working with the factory. They have samples and things like that. But Maybe they're in the process of of creating their collection, um, but that's like the bare the bare bones stage that we'll start working with um, a brand. Okay, and so I feel like this word merchandising it can kind of be like a confusing word. People are like, "What what is merchandising really? Like, why do I <laughs> yeah. need it?" So, and I know like one of your backgrounds is is in merchandising. One of your backgrounds is in sales. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, tell everybody in the audience a little bit about what exactly is merchandising and why is it so crucial to success? Sure. So yeah, as you said, you know, merchandising, it's, it's kind of like this gray area in the fashion industry because, you know, people, they, when they think of merchandising, they think of visual merchandising, which, you know, it definitely is a huge part of what merchandising is in general. Um, but, 
there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes during and after, like I said before. So um, making sure that you have the proper assortment, um, which can also be about pricing your products correctly, um, and then also analyzing your sales figures. So those are probably like the three main elements of merchandising. Um, but as I said, it's, you know, it's still, there's a little gray area because there's so many parts that, um, a lot of fashion companies, the lines are a little bit blurred when it comes to merchandising, but essentially it's helping your products, uh, creating the proper assortments that, so that you can sell your products, which is why we teach both strategies because you can't have great sales without having great merchandising and, and vice versa, right. obviously. Okay, cool. So if we, can we kind of just like walk through the process? Like let's, can we do a little make believe here? And I want to pretend like I'm a startup designer or maybe I'm not even a startup. Maybe I've been in business for a little while, but I need some help with merchandising and I need some help with sales. So um, could we maybe walk through like what the process would look like and, and some strategies and tips that you guys would advise me to do to, to, best present my, my brand and my product and get myself into as many stores as possible? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, with merchandising, it really is about figuring out your price point because your price point is going to be so important before you even start selling your line. Okay. So making sure that you are, you know, uh, figuring out where you want to position yourself as a brand and who you're trying to target, what kind of stores you're trying to get into, because that your price point obviously will make all the difference um, in that aspect. And then um, from there, it's creating a proper assortment. So making sure that, you know, you do have some of those eye-catching pieces, but you're also incorporating some core items or items that you know for a fact are going to sell for that particular store. So that's really why we work with designers, because a lot of designers are very creative creative um, individuals and they don't really understand, you know, how to price their products and what exactly creating a proper assortment is, you know? Um, so they just like to sometimes create a lot of different eye catching pieces, which mm -hmm. is great, but you also want to make sure that it's going to sell in the store. Yeah. Right. So how do I, how would I first go about creating my prices? Would I, is that a combination of like looking at, um, obviously the cost to produce the product, but also in conjunction with the stores that I ultimately want to sell to and who my target customer is. So what would that process look like? So, I mean, the main process is, and a lot of people get this wrong, is you would actually look at, look at what stores you want to be in, how you're positioning your brand, and look at the retail prices and what those items that are similar to your items are selling for. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of want to work backwards. Ah. So you want to make sure that you are figuring out, okay, so if I need to sell something retail um, for a certain price, then what is my wholesale price going to be? And then what does that cost from the factory have to be in order to get the margin that I want to get? Okay. So, so if I want to hang on the same rack as some $100 dresses, then I would start with the $100 retail price and calculate backwards. Yeah, because that's going to help you figure out, okay, so, you know, this factory is giving me this price. I don't think I can work with this factory because that is going to cost me out of my target market right. or something like that. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I figured out the price and then... Then what's next? So then it's just, you know, starting to actually create your assortment and figuring out what you need to put into your collection. What are you going to do? Uh, you know, are you going to do all dresses? Are, if you're going to do all dresses, are you going to have what styles are you going to have? What are your what are your core items going to be? What are you going to be known for? Yeah. Um, but it's really about building that collection that has different pieces that are both eye-catching and can be something that is potentially going to carry over. Because when you're first starting out, you want to make sure that you're not having to buy a ton of inventory, obviously. So you want to make sure, okay, so is this something that might be able to carry over to next season and it's not going to be a super trendy, trendy item? Um, I would say that would be the next 
sort of step in, you know, the whole starting from, from scratch. Yeah. And then it's just, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, and then it's just like, you know, making sure you're getting all of your collateral together, which, you know, Tracy and I can talk about more, but like line sheets and your lookbook and, you know, there's a whole process that has, that goes on before you can even launch or even talk to a buyer. Um, yeah, no, and I definitely want to get into that. Um, but, but first I want to talk a little bit more about like creating your collection, your assortment. Is there like, do you guys have any advice or guidance on like, what should that really look like? And I know it can depend on like what your budget is, like what your capital is and, and what your potential reach is in the market. But, um, what I tend to see is a lot of designers want to create a 12 or 14 piece collection to start like right off the bat. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't, without, you know, answering the question for you, to me, that always seems a little bit high. So what's your guys' advice on like where to start? Like how many piece, pieces should I really be introducing and launching? And I know you mentioned like a few statement pieces. Um, I've also heard them referred to as like sort of roadmap pieces. And then you've got your essential core items that can hopefully carry over and be a little bit more bread and butter. Um, so mm-hmm. what do you, what do you suggest that like initial starting package to look like? I mean, I think, like you said, it really does depend on your budget. If you have a decent amount of, you know, something amount saved that you, you know, that you want to create a collection, I would say go for it. But I would also say if you are, you know, trying to go as small as possible, then yeah, maybe just start out with a three piece collection, but you have to make sure that those pieces are going to stand out. They're not going to just be, you know, maybe that's not where you start in terms of just creating core product. I would do something that would really stand out because if you're just going to create, you know, a basic white blouse, I mean, what's going to stand out with this basic white blouse that is going to be so eye catching that buyers are going to have to have it. Right. I mean, so your collection has to be be so big to allow room for those core items with with having enough substance to have the, these eye catching, like gotta have it items. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you're first starting out and if you only have room for three pieces and you, and that's what you want to start with, that's totally fine. Um, I mean, if you think of someone like, you know, Diane von Persenberg who started out with like a wrap dress, it just has to be something that like is so different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then from there you can start building upon like what would be your core items and what would be, you know, more of a fashion item. Um, but I think it's totally fine to start out with with a small, very small collection. It's probably smart, actually. Yeah, and just kind of test the waters and see how everything goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I've kind of figured out the price point by working backwards, and we then put together our collection. Let's say we're just starting with, like, three to five pieces. And so now what? Do I put together my line sheet and I, I start trying to pre-sell to buyers with some samples? Yep. I would say that would be the next step. Okay. What do you so, think, Tracina? Yes. And then that's when the designer uh, will come to me and then I will assist them. Okay, cool. And so what is like? what are some tips for um, putting together your line sheet and then like, actually, like, how do you get that in the hands of the right buyers? What does that process look like? Are we emailing? Are we cold calling? Are we going to trade shows? Like, what are some of the most effective ways you see designers getting in touch with the buyer and getting that appointment? Well, with sales, sales is very strategic. Um, a line sheet is imperative to have on your line sheet. You want to actually have the product, the origin of the product, the size, the sizing that's available, the color. Once that's all put together, then we will create a strategy. What I teach the designers in our course is sales is actually made up of three different core elements, which is mindset, skill set, and your toolbox. Um, when you go out to sell, I mean, let's just be honest, sales isn't easy. It, it's really not. <laughs> um, and Lauren, Lauren and I, when we talk to our students, um, the first thing they say is, I suck at sales. <laughs> I'm a designer. I'm creative. I don't know what I'm doing. Please help. <laughs> um, and we let them know that, look, no one can sell your, bro- your product better than you. Why? Because you designed it. You know it in and out. 
Um, so my thing with designers is mindset first. Um, I know it's uncomfortable and our, our brains are actually designed to protect us from negative and harmful things. So if we go in to approach a new store, that's something we're not comfortable with. So we'll automatically say, oh, I can't go in there. I can't talk to the designer. So I tell designers to eradicate negative talk um, because that actually stops them uh, from approaching the boutique owner or a big box retailer buyer. That's super, super important. Yeah. Um, and then skill set. Um, to approach a buyer, the number one thing is to be confident. To be confident and relax. Um, not to be very scripted uh, because no one likes to be sold to. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just common. No one really wants to be sold to. Um, but if you, if you come at it from an angle where it's very relaxed um, and you're very confident, um, so what does that really mean? It means when you're a designer, you create two different lists. You create a list that consists of your existing accounts and prospects. That's really important. On your prospect list, you state the buyer who you want to get in contact with, their contact information, email, phone number, um, and then you set a date in your calendar to visit the store. Once you're at the store, you do not sell on your first visit. Now, Heidi, this is this actually blows designers away. They're like, <laughs> what do you mean? I can't sell on the first visit. That's why I'm showing up in the first place. <laughs> yes, I understand that. I totally do. Um, but again, sales is all about relationships. Yeah. Um, it's imperative to build that relationship. And it's, it's really hard and difficult to build a relationship when you first meet someone and say, hey, I have this wonderful product. Do you want to buy it from me, please? <laughs> I, I know it's going to fit in your store and your, your end consumer is going to love it. Yeah. That's not how you create a relationship. Um, and that's actually alarming. The buyer isn't expecting you. They don't know who you are and they don't know what your brand is all about. So what I urge designers to do is before they go into any pros before they go to prospect any store, do their homework. The thing you need to do is find out the buyer's name, the brands carried at the store, and the average price point. Now, you might be thinking, well, why is this so important? Because when you show up to that store, you're going to be ready when you approach the buyer. And so what I tell designers to do when they show up to the store, remember, you're not selling on your first visit. You're showing up, you're walking in. When you step your foot inside that door, you're immediately scanning the store. The reason you're scanning the store is because you want to know uh, visually where, we, where would your brand sit in the store. That's so important. Once that is done, then you browse the store. When you're browsing the store, you're touching fabric to make sure that your fabric is up to par. You're looking at price points to make sure they're comparable. You're looking at brands to make sure they're adjacent. Once you do that, you work your way up to the cash rep, wherever the buyer is, and you say, hey, you know what? I really love this store. It is so amazing. The layout is great. I love the brands that you carry. And I mean, originally, I mean, organically, the buyer is going to say, um, oh, thanks. You know, and you see, if you approach it like that, it's it's not so alarming. It's not like, wait, who are you? You want to sell me what? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. it's more a soft approach. Yeah. So to rewind a little bit, because um, I have a couple questions. So where, like, other than, all right, maybe I know the stores in my hometown or where, where you know, in New York or wherever in L.A. that I want to approach um, where am I finding the right information um, or even especially for like big box stores? Like where am I discovering the contact information, the right information and who's the right person to get in touch with? Um, I mean, I think sometimes at a small boutique, you can walk in and perhaps chances are the person behind the counter is the owner and or buyer. Um, but a lot of times that's not going to be the case. So how do you approach those kind of situations in, in finding the right contact? 
Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, personally, I've sold to many big box retailers and the buyer for those stores are very, very busy. The way that you contact them is through LinkedIn. It's important to go to their LinkedIn mm. to find out exactly what they look like. Mm. Um, it's important to know what they look like. Why is it important to know what they look like? Because when you're showing at a trade show, you'll easily spot who that buyer is because wow. you know what she or he looks like. That's really smart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I agree for smaller stores, it's a bit easier to find out who the buyer is for smaller stores. Um, just by visiting their website, sometimes it'll say about, and then it might have a bio about who the owner is of that particular boutique. Yeah. And so, okay, so you first go in and you do your research and you maybe just strike up a conversation and you compliment them, um, but you're not really, there's no pitch involved at that stage. There's no pitch involved at that stage. No, not at all. Okay. And so then what would you do next? So after you strike up the conversation, um, you, you say, you know, oh, I really love the layout, the brands you carry. They'll say, thank you. And you'll say, you know, actually, I rep an adjacent brand called, you'll say the name of your brand. And they'll say, oh, really? And then you'll reply back, have you heard of it? And they might say no, and then you'll briefly tell them about it in two to three minutes. You don't want to go over two to three minutes when telling a, a buyer about your brand. You should have your brand story down packed mm -hmm. in two to three minutes. Yeah. And so is this like, um, I know we, you talked a little bit earlier about going in and being confident and being really casual and conversational in the dialogue. Don't be too scripted. Uh, this is something you would want to have practiced maybe with friends or maybe even just at like a networking event, go and like kind of practice talking about your brand and what, what it is and, and the story. Um, You're absolutely right. Um, and, and sometimes you can't always get to a, ne a networking event. Um, maybe you are a designer who's designing uh, on the side and you have a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, what I also suggest is, and it might sound silly, but practice in front of the mirror. Oh yeah. Or call you take yourself. <laughs> yeah. Call yeah. a friends up. Um, record yourself. If I want to leave a voicemail for a buyer, I record myself and listen to it over and over and over and oh, over that's awesome. until it sounds okay. And then I'm confident enough to call the buyer and if he or she doesn't answer, then I'll, f I'll be fine when I leave the voicemail because I practice. Yeah. Oh, those are great ideas. Um, okay. So if I'm going to small boutiques where I might be able to get the buyer in person, I go in the first meeting, I just introduce myself and I tell them some great compliments about the store and I kind of like introduce the brand and see, tell them a little bit about it and see what, see what they know if they don't know anything. And then, and then what's the next stage after that? Okay, so you tell them about the brand in two to three minutes, nothing over, and you hand them a business card. Now, the thing is, you don't want to take up too much of their time. You want to be very mindful on how much time you spend at the store because they might have customers in their store. Yeah, so do you want to, so, you probably want to also be mindful about what time and day you go to then. Oh my gosh, uh, yes. So <laughs> the best time to go into a boutique is at two to three o'clock. The time to avoid is after work, so after 5 p.m. and on Fridays. Okay. All right, so I give them my card and then... Give them a card and, and then you before you leave, it's imperative to ask them a question. So you might be thinking, well, what question do I ask them? So you'll ask them, you'll say something like this. Before I get out of here, um, I want to... I wanna, hand you over my card and ask you a really quick question. What do you typically look for when you're buying for, let's say you sell hats. What do you typically look for when you're uh, buying hats? And they'll let you know. Mm. And so that, that question is so important because that question um, and that answer is going to prepare you for your next visit. Ah, right. Okay, very smart. Uh, okay, so now let's let's pretend, like what would they say? I don't know much about hats, but what would they say? They might say, oh, I really want 
um, super trend forward, or I don't know, it would hopefully be an answer that, that is something you could connect with your offering. Yeah. Um, and so. you can say, oh my gosh, that sounds really good. Well, I can't wait to connect with you in the near future. Again, it was really nice meeting you. Um, and when I'm in the area, I'll stop by again. Okay. So after that, you go back to your office and you and let's say they say, I'm looking for superior fur felt hats in navy, uh, gray, and black. And I want to make sure that it's one size fit all. And you're like, oh, my God, I have that. <laughs> and so what you do is um, you go back to the drawing board and you say, but I have 50 different hats. How do I choose? Um, so what you're going to do is choose. That's when merchandising come in. You, you look back at what they currently sell in the store um, and you choose. You do not inundate the buyer with too many things. Um, you choose maybe five to 10 different things to put on a custom line sheet. You're ah. making a custom line sheet at this point, because when you send a buyer too many things at once, they can become overwhelmed and then immediately put on the brakes and say, this is not for me. So what you'll do is send them a line sheet with maybe two black hats, two navy hats, and two gray hats. And they're all adjustable, U.S. made, because you notice in their store, it's all U.S. made products. So you don't want to send anything from China because you know they're, they're a big supporter of U.S. made goods. Mm -hmm. So you send that over and in an in a, in, in a email, and you say, hey, you know, it was really nice meeting you. Um, he, below I attach, thanks for the information, below I attach some options that I think will, um, that I think will catch your attention. And then they'll open it up. They might not respond back to you, but that's okay. It's okay because one, now they know who you are. Two, they know exactly the name of your brand, what your brand stands for, your brand story, and they know what your product looks like. Mm-hmm. So that sets the foundation into getting into a store. The relationship has started. Okay, so, um, and I love the, the sort of like nice flow of events that this all goes through. Um, but going back a little bit, what if the, an the answer they gave about the hats was really specific? Uh, do they typically give an answer that's that specific? I don't know anything about sales. I mean, I, I work on the back end. I design product, I get it made and manufactured overseas, and then my clients take it and run with it from there. So I don't know much about being on the front line. Um, do buyers really uh, like say something that specific? And if they do, there is there a good chance that maybe you don't have something in that offering, especially if you're a small brand starting out with only three to five pieces? And what do you do I'm then? Act I'm actually really happy that you asked that question because some buyers do and some buyers do not. And the buyers who do not answer your question are suspects. They're not real prospects. So that means that, one, you might be wasting your time if they can't give you a clear answer. Mm. Okay, so that's a way to weed people out who are like really wishy-washy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if you only have, let's say you're, you're a new designer and you only have six items, send the buyer your number one performing item mm. that you know that's proven. Okay. And just send them one. Send them one or two. I would say if you have a collection that consists of six different items, I would send them two. Okay. Just send them the top people two like, performing ones or the top two top that I think two. would fit based on what their answer was. Right, because mm -hmm. people like choices, but yeah. they don't like too many. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so I prepare the custom line sheet and I send it over based on their answer. If they gave me a really wishy-washy answer and they were super vague and maybe just didn't really care to tell me what they're looking for, then I might want to just stop then. Otherwise, it's just a waste of energy. Um. So I never encourage a, a designer to ever stop stop pursuing an account unless the buyer tells you flat out, no, they don't want to buy from you. Oh, okay. So we are getting pretty assertive here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you keep going until you literally get a flat no. I love that. I, I mean, we're in sales. Yeah. I mean, 
We're, we're nice. Uh, definitely, we're always nice, but you're in cells. <laughs> and that's where I think it gets really scary. Like going back to the whole mindset and the confidence thing, it can get really mm-hmm. scary and um, almost, it can, I mean, it can just, it can tear away at you of like, oh, I sent out all these line sheets and nobody even wrote back to me or I talked to the buyer in person. They just didn't seem interested. Uh, but you just have to keep trudging forward and have the mindset of, I got this. Absolutely. And then you also have to have a nice, healthy prospecting list. Okay. If you're going back and back and back to that same buyer, if you're always emailing that same buyer, there's a huge problem. Okay. Your pipeline should consist of so many prospects that you're not calling that buyer every single week. Okay. You're calling that buyer maybe every four weeks, every um, other month. Okay. You're not calling that buyer all the time. All right. So I was, I, that was going to be my, well, I have two questions, but that was one of them next was what's the appropriate frequency and also what's the bet? Like, do you find that email's better or phone is better or just it might depend on the person? Um, so face to face is better for me. However, phone is quicker. Okay. Emails. I like emails. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of emails. Um, I'm a huge fan of emails when it when you've already spoke or seen the buyer. Then it, I would suggest emailing um, because emails, buyers, it's easy for them not to respond back to you. But if you call them on their phone, their desk, and their, their big box retailer buyer, they're going to answer the phone faster than they answer their emails. And then I have this moment of panic when they answer and I was like, oh my God, I was expecting the voicemail, but now I have them (laughs) on the phone, but I've practiced, so I know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, and just, and and this is for all the designers out there that's listening. Um, if, If you get in a panic when a buyer's on the phone and you were prepared for the voicemail, literally count five, four, three, two, one, breathe and then do your spill. Yeah. Okay. Do it in your head because when you count backwards for some reason, it relaxes your entire body. Okay. <laughs> or maybe you go in with the mindset that they're going to answer. And then if you get the voicemail, you're like, Oh, okay. I got this. I got the voicemail. Otherwise you're, you're prepared. I know I've called people before, not for, not for sales, but for other things. And they answer. I was like, Oh God, I was, I totally didn't think you were going to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yes. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I suggest always be ready. You never know when the next opportunity is right in front of you. So if I can't get in front of that buyer in a real physical environment, you, you suggest my first, like, I'm, I'm just going to cold call them initially and try to, would I leave a voicemail or would I maybe call a couple times and then give up and leave a voicemail or try a couple times to get them to answer? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? You never give up. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean give up in terms of giving up, but like maybe I call three times and I get the voicemail, I get the voicemail, I get the voicemail. I don't leave a voicemail though. Cause I want to try to get them on the phone, the very first point of contact. And then after the third time I get the voicemail, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll leave a voicemail now. Yes. So I, I suggest you always leave a voicemail. If you get the voicemail, you always leave a voicemail. Okay. Um, and, and you'll say something to this effect. Hey, this is Tristina. Um, we released some new hats by such and such brand. I would love to talk to you about it. Uh, you can reach me at, did it, and then you say your phone number. Sure. Um, most likely they will not call you back. Right. Okay. But that's okay because at least they know your name now and at least they know the name of your brand. The whole thing with sales is that you want to make sure you're front and center on that buyer's mind. Make sure that buyer do not forget who you are. Okay. <laughs> so I leave them a voicemail and they're never going to call me back. And then do I, would I follow up that voicemail with an email to, to then send the line sheet so they have something to look at? Yes. So you, you send a line sheet according to their... So you're approaching this as if you're an inside sales. Okay. So you can't physically get to the location. So you call the buyer up. They're not answering. You leave a voicemail. And then you follow up by sending um, a short email, no more than four to six sentences, double spaced, um, with the question at the end of the email. 
And then you will insert a custom line sheet based on their website and their their store, their website aesthetics. Okay. Um, and then you don't want to, remember, put too many things on the line sheet. So you want to list maybe maybe anywhere from four to ten things on the line, line sheet um, according to their website. And again, this is where the merchandising comes back into play of like Absolutely. how to pick the best pieces that are going to fit. Um, exactly. So how, like, are you just kind of looking visually and picking what do you think would look uh, the best based on price point and aesthetic? So it's, it's all, again, strategic. Um, you want, you're looking at price points. Um, you're looking at fabric content. You're looking at um, aesthetics. So if you see on the website, they sell the highest item is $500 and the lowest item is $50. You want to be mindful not to send anything higher than 500 and anything lower than 50. You mm -hmm. want to hit that sweet spot and you want to, uh, you want to insert an item that ties back to their aesthetics, price point and fabrics that they usually buy mm -hmm. um, in your custom line sheet. Okay. Okay. So I made my phone call. I left a voicemail and then I followed up with a very brief email with some type of question at the end. And what is the question at the end? Is it kind of the same question I'm asking if I'm in person? Like, what are you looking for in this type of product or? Absolutely the same question. Okay. And then the I send the line sheet. And then you send the line sheet. And then after that, you set an alarm on your calendar. Your calendar is your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna say something to that extent. Your calendar is like, you live and die by that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so if you haven't heard from the buyer within a week, say for instance, you emailed them on Monday and you haven't heard from them and it's, it's Thursday afternoon, um, it's okay to email them back on Friday morning. Okay. And from there, then would you go into the follow-up once a month routine? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. And, and then that would, would that be the same for the buy, like the small boutique buyer where you walked into the store and you had your first initial conversation and then you followed up with an email maybe later that day or the next day? Um, would that, would you go through the same process uh, with that buyer? It's a very similar process unless you live in the neighborhood. Ah. If you live in the neighborhood of the boutique and, and you honestly are passing by, pop in. Yeah. Just say hello. Ask okay. them how things are going. Yeah. And so, um, okay, so I'm making all these inquiries, um, but to rewind a little bit, you said make sure you have a really, really healthy prospect list so you're not over-pestering the same people. So how do we go about building that list? Um, I mean, is it really just a matter of Googling and finding these boutiques? And I mean, that seems like a really manual process. Are there some tricks to building the, the right list? Um, I'm a strong believer in Yelp and Google. Mm -hmm. However, if you clearly do not have the time because you have tons of to do thing to do uh, task on your list, then you can buy. You can actually buy um, list a list from a company. Okay. And are there company? Is, is that a pretty legit way to go? Is are those lists pretty accurate? That's a good. Um, that's a good deal. They're pretty accurate, but they're they're pretty pricey as well. So, like, how much I are mean, we talking? Well, it, it depends what you're selling. Ah, uh, okay. It depends on my category and my price points. Right. Um, what would so be a range? I, what'd you say? What would be like a range? Um, the list can go anywhere from $300 up to the thousands, depending on what you're selling. So okay. if you're selling some really extravagant gowns, then in it's going to be you high. You want to get into these beautiful stores, and yeah, it's going to be high. Okay, and where would I go to buy a list? Um, so you can get lists through trade shows. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So if I find a trade show that's kind of in my market, then I could look on their website or contact them and see if I can get their buyer list. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, so I built my list maybe manually using Yelp and just kind of continually searching and discovering new stores uh, that I want to sell to. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Also, um, I just want to say that designers can utilize um, other other adjacent brands' website and check out their stockists and go oh, on smart. there and say where there's 
see where they're selling to. Yeah, I've actually heard that strategy before. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But go to your competition or maybe not competition. I like use that word adjacent. I like that a lot. Um, the, it's like your complementary products. Perhaps it's competition, but maybe not. Um, and see where they're selling and then just pull their lists. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, so then what was next? So where were we? So we're, we're doing a lot of follow-up once a month. We've got everything on our calendar. And then... How are we actually like, are we just continuing to call them and trying to get an appointment or to just get a step further? What usually happens next? Um, so you can show up or you can um, send press. So send relevant press. That oh. shows that you're credible Smart. if you're sending press. Um, and again, you want to trickle in press. You don't want to send, I don't know, 20 articles when you were <laughs> featured. <laughs> Um, you just, you're trying to show them that you're credible. Okay. So instead of just continually hawking your product at them, you're also like, Hey, look, I got featured and that gives you validation. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, buyers, they love industry news. So if you have some legit industry news that you really want to share, just share it because a lot of times it's very hard to get out of their stores or when they are buyers for big box, big box retailers, they're in meeting after meeting after meeting. So it's really hard to stay up on industry news. Okay. So provide them with some value at the same time that you're doing this outreach. Absolutely. And do you, is this all like manually one-off emails or do you suggest like starting a, an email list using like MailChimp or one of the platforms out there? Um, I would say one-off emails. Okay. So don't add them to an email list. No, okay. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. <laughs> uh, okay. And so then, um, and so I keep sending them stuff and I don't stop until they absolutely say, stop contacting me. Yeah. I mean, or you can send, um, it, it depends on where you are financially. If, if you can send a swatch book, um, or uh, if you have a, if you have a sample, um, you can send a sample or if you have, um, your line sheet and you want to send a sample of a swatch, you can do that Okay. just so they can fill the fabric. Okay. And would I tell them I was going to send that in an email or would I just blindly send it after I'd been in contact with them a couple times? Um, no, always inform them so they can keep an eye out. Okay. So just say, Hey, I'm going to be sending you this, um, watch for it within the next week. Yep. And I'll call back to follow up on Monday at 3.15 PM. Oh, okay. So you're really specific with what you're going to do next and your follow up instructions. Okay. Absolutely. And so then what's going to happen? Hopefully we're starting to get some appointments. Yes. So if, you're, if your uh, prospecting list is healthy enough, then you will start to see movement. Okay. People will respond back to you. You'll start making appointments. Some people won't respond back to you. You'll start adding new prospects to your list. Um, so prospects, uh, new accounts are the blood the bloodline to, to any organization. It's very important to always open new accounts. So it's very important to always keep that prospect list updated. Okay. And so I want to just really quickly, you say a healthy list, like give us an idea in terms of numbers, like what might that look like for, um, and there's probably not like a formula, but let's say I'm, I'm a small designer and I've got a six piece collection. What does that list look like? Is it a hundred? Is it a thousand prospects? I would say 150 plus. 150 plus. Okay. And yes. I'm kind of continually adding. You're continually adding. And again, these, some of them might be suspects. Some of them mm-hmm. might not really be interested. And once you detect that, then you just you know, take them off. Okay. Take them off because the last thing you want to do is waste your time. Yeah. It, it, you really don't have time to waste. Yeah. <laughs> you have a collection to get out of there, to get out in the world because you're designing the next season collection. Yeah. So your prospect <laughs> list is like a living, breathing thing. It's constantly growing. You're constantly adding to it. Your, your eyes are basically always open for new opportunities to sell to. 
you're always pounding the pavement. Okay. Always get out there to see. I mean, even if it's just window shopping. Window shopping is so important to a sales role. Okay. And so, well, why, why is that? Like just to see what's in the market and see what people are showing on the front lines of the stores? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. To see what's in the market, yeah. um, to see, to see the trends, to see if you're on trend. Yeah. Um, so not just from a the sales perspective, but from a design perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're designing your own collection yeah. and you're selling it. Yeah. So just constantly be looking out. Uh, okay. So we have our list and we're hopefully at this time booking some appointments and, um, what it, tell us a little bit about that, what that process looks like. The, the appointment process? So um, when you reach out, you ask for a meeting. Um, I like the word meeting um, compared to appointment. Uh, appointment okay. sounds very clinical. So you want to <laughs> ask, <laughs> uh, can we have a meeting? Um, once you're in your meeting, it's important to be prepared with your sales toolkit. Okay. Um, you should have your latest lookbook. You should have your line sheet. You should have your samples. You should know your brand story. And most important, you should know your product. Okay. Which if you've designed it and developed it, you should hopefully be quite familiar with all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And, and so you show the line and then is there some type of call to action or? Um, so you show the line when you're showing the line, um, visual merchandising is very important too. When you're showing the line, if you have a line you and you're showing it in a showroom, you want to set the product, uh, um, set the product up from light to dark, from light oh, to dark. I've um, never heard that to, before. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, stand to the left of your rolling rack because you want the buyer to see the entire collection. Okay. Um, you want to not over talk when you're in a meeting. You want to always ask questions when you're in the meeting. So, and the questions you want to ask is, so what do you like so far? Okay. You're asking them something, what do they like? So they can't tell you anything negative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that strategy. That's so smart and simple. <laughs> and so when they tell you what they like, you say, fantastic. And what you're going to do is pick it up and put it to the side. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so they'll tell you maybe about four or five items and you have those four or five items to the side because you're going to use those four or five items in the next few minutes. So you're going to say, okay, so this is what you like. I think it's a great selection thus far. You get your order pad out. Okay. So you almost just assume you're like, I'm ready to write this order up. Oh yeah. I mean, if a designer is showing, I mean, sorry, if a buyer is showing up to a meeting, that says a lot about your product. Okay. That -hmm. means they're serious. So you too need to, as a designer, need to be serious and and have your order pad ready to write the order. Okay. Um, And then again, you want to not over talk. You want to let them talk more than you're talking because you want to see, you want to get their feedback because their feedback is very important for your next collection that you're designing. It's important because you went after this store, you like this store. So you want to go after more stores that look like the store who's in the meeting with you. Yeah. Now, what if you, I mean, cause you can get an in-person meeting if you happen to be physically located within a reasonable distance, but what, how do you do this if you're located remotely the same exact way you send them um samples if you can if if it's in your budget okay you mail them a box absolutely um and then once you do that you say okay tim i'm gonna call you monday at 11 20 a.m so we can go over the uh the samples that i sent to you okay you just talk through on the phone yep Okay. And you ask them, okay, well, you're taking a look through everything and tell me, what do you like? Yeah. Yeah. All and right. then, and they'll tell you what, what they like. And again, you, you're there with your order pad and you say, okay, well, let's write up the order. These are the delivery dates. What color do you want? What sizing do you want? Um, and then that, that's it. And then you mm-hmm. just have to make sure you deliver. Oh yeah. And on time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little <laughs> bit about that because that's a very scary space. Um, it's a very scary space. Delivering on time is very, very essential um, for many different reasons. If you fail to deliver on time, it can mess up the entire selling cycle. Mm. So if you're supposed to deliver in February and you deliver in June, realistically, the buyer doesn't have many months to have the product on the floor. So they might be hesitant to pick you up next season only because they didn't sell your product. Um, they didn't have enough time to sell your product. And so they're left with so much stock. And so next season, they probably don't want to pick you up again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, a lot of this is quite a bit of work and is, feel, <laughs> it is. as we all know, going into our own endeavors, we're all trying to wear so many hats. Um, so what do you guys think about trying to DIY all of this versus trying to outsource it? Like when is the right time to find a sales rep or when is the right time to hire some support, whether it be on the merchandising side um, versus trying to learn how to do it all yourself? Where, what's that balance look like and what is some, what's some advice you can give to people out there? So, I mean, in terms of merchandising, I definitely think you can DIY it yourself. Um, obviously, we we teach DIY sales and merchandising, mm -hmm. so we truly believe that you can you can do it yourself. Um, and most companies they will DIY their merchandising until they um, get a little bit bigger. I mean, I guess same for sales as well. But um, you definitely see more people. DIYing both to begin with and then outsourcing sales as opposed to outsourcing merchandising, I would say. Mm -hmm. Right. But, I agree. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we always, we always, um, try to have our designers, um, do sales themselves because you're not going to find anyone that knows your collection better than yourself. You yeah. Know what I mean? No, I've heard that too. And I've also heard that, um, you know, from a buyer's perspective, um, that's really, they really like to get to meet the, the designer sometimes. That's a really important part of the process. Is that true? It's true. And it's very important to meet the designer because they're going to tell you the brand story. And once they do that, you can relay that same story to your end consumer if you're the buyer. Mm. Right. Nothing gets lost I in translation. Yeah. And right. I think buyers are looking for the next big brand. And so when you you know, you're just starting out and you're, you're actually the designer. It's, it's kind of like a little bit more of like an exciting, um, time, you know what I mean? As opposed to like, if you are just hiring a bunch of sales reps that don't even really know your brand or have the passion for your brand and things like that. I just think that it's just a little bit more authentic to the whole process. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. And I think there's a tremendous amount of value in that. Um, I think like you said at the beginning, Tracina, it's this um, sort of strapping on our boots and going out there and pounding the pavement and getting getting ourselves comfortable going through with these interactions and and increasing our confidence that we can do this even if we don't hear back or we get we hear no. it's it's one of those things you just have to keep moving forward. Exactly. Mm -hmm. as tough as that can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. So I'd love to just know from each of you, um, Lauren, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see designers making in, in their merchandising and how could they, um, avoid those? Um, the biggest mistake I see is probably when it comes to their pricing, mm -hmm. um, they're not pricing their product appropriately. So they're either a not taking into account margin enough, like they're not making any money, <laughs> um, or B they don't really know where their brand is being positioned. So they're not, their prices are kind of like neither here nor there. They just so, kind of make up some price. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're trying to get into, to a specific store, if your price doesn't really make sense for the price points within that store, it's kind of hard to determine where your product is going to fall in line in that store. And so buyers, you know, they want it very simple. They want to, they don't want to second guess like, Oh, how is this going to fit into my store? Because this price point doesn't really make sense for the product. Um, 
another uh, mistake I can think of is perceived value. So just because um, something, just because um, something looks a certain way, doesn't necessarily mean that you can price it for that price point. Um, but at the same time, they don't take into account, which is kind of a little bit more of an advanced strategy, which is your weighted margin. So kind of looking at um, your margin as a whole. I guess it's you can the way the best way to kind of describe it is your average margin. Um, because chances are there's going to be some styles that you can sell for a little bit higher and make mm -hmm. a little bit more margin and some that you can't, you know, that you're going to probably take a hit on margin just because based upon the competition of the actual style. Right. And so it averages um, out. Yeah. So I guess, you know, that all falls into not doing enough research essentially is the biggest mistake I would, I would say. And so it really comes down to really looking at the market, like you said at the very beginning of mm -hmm. looking at the market, figuring out what shops you want to be in and who you're going to sit next to on the rack and then mm -hmm. working backwards from there from those price points. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Tracina, what about you? What are the, some of the biggest mistakes you see designers making in the sales process and how, how could, how can we overcome those? Um, not selling the solution. Ah, okay. Talk a little bit about that. Um, so it's common, it's common for fashion designers or sales reps to go on and list every single thing that's great about their brand, the features and the benefits. Um, while that's all important, the buyer really wants to know what's in it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about me. Yeah, this sounds great, but how will it benefit me if I buy this? Um, so the key takeaway I would say is, um, be mindful, um, and show them the solution and not just list all the features and the benefits. It's about them. It's unfortunately, it's not about us. <laughs> so is that would the, the, the thing that's in it for them, would that be that it's like filling a hole in their store? Like it's filling, um, a spot on their shelf that, that no one else is filling, but there's a big demand in the market. Like, what would that be? Right. So that ties back to the question um, a designer should be initially asking, what do you usually look for? Remember, what do you usually look for right. when you buy hats? Right. Um, so that's filling that gap of what they look for or possibly what do you have? What do you think you need that you don't have? Um, and so that's how you fill those gaps and you sell the solution and not just sell the features and benefits of a product that might not benefit them. Okay. And so then when you, when, when you ask that question, what do you look for? And then they come back with the answer. Well, I'm looking for gray and Navy fur felted hats, I think was what you said earlier. Then you almost use that statement directly back at them and say, Hey, I know you've been looking for some gray and Navy fur felted hats. Um, here's what I have for you. Absolutely. Did I say that? I feel like I said that a little awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. No, that was good. Okay. Um, awesome. And so you're, you're basically just turning around and giving them the solution that you already, that they already told you they were looking for. Exactly. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, cool. So you guys have a couple courses and um, you teach designers how to do all of this amazing stuff that is so essential to the industry. And I love what you guys are doing because... Um, as I think we kind of mentioned earlier, a lot of designers are so strong in the creative space and they build these beautiful, um, garments and sometimes the second half of the equation, which is really the make or break it portion is the sales and the presentation and the merchandising. And it's such an important part of the process to think about, um, to make sure that, that you gain success and keep moving forward. So. I really think what you guys are doing is fantastic. Um, tell us a little bit more about what you guys offer and where people can find you. Sure. So you can find us at thesalesconcept.com. Um, and we offer a course called the Sales Bootcamp and Merchandising Masterclass, which basically teaches you everything you need to learn about merchandising and sales. And, you know, as I said before, the reason why we are so passionate about both of these topics is because we truly believe that you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's just something really important to remember is if you aren't really having results in your sales, but you think you're doing an amazing job, you might want to relook at your merchandise and how you're merchandising your collection because 
that's going to be, that's a huge part of selling it. So that's why we teach those strategies. Yeah. And vice versa, if your merchandising is really good, but you're not making any sales, your sales strategies probably have some holes in it. Exactly. Awesome. Oh my gosh, you guys, this has been amazing. I've learned so many awesome tricks and insights and I, I, uh, so many great takeaways for everybody listening. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We really enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening to episode nine of the successful fashion designer podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash nine. And since you made it this far, you must have liked the episode. If you can take 60 seconds to leave a review on iTunes, it helps the show a lot and makes the podcast easier for people to discover. It's super easy to do and I'd really appreciate it. Visit sfdnetwork.com review to leave your rating and thanks for your support and help.